And welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki Rousseau. Um, again, just giving you a little bit of an update of my new position that I now have as CEO of Robotics Australia Group. Um, we are a not-for-profit organization that connects, informs, advocates, and promotes robotics in Australia. It is my absolute pleasure to, to introduce you to a great colleague, friend, Perse Stigson today. Um, Per and I have known each other for I think at least six years or maybe even a little bit longer. He's been an enormous help to me when I was running Exaptic and he is just a super nice guy to know in the industry. So Per, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be on this podcast. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. We've spoken about it a few times and you've ducked and dived and I've decided now this is the end of it. You have to be on because you've actually joined our network as well as a member. So um, I thank you very much for your support and to all companies out there thinking whether you should support us or not, uh, you definitely should. But tell us a little bit. You came here from Sweden and um, you're the owner and founder of Robotspace. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up there. Yeah, so it's again, I'm probably one of the oldest robot guys in Australia. <laughs> I started 1981, and that was ASEA at the time, Swedish company who made their first electrical microprocessor controlled robot, industrial robot, I should mention. And they made that 1974, and I started 81. So it had been a few years, but uh, I think 82 is when it took off a lot more in around the world. But anyway, yeah, I worked there for a few years with testing, and I ended up in the training center, came to Australia 88, and pretty much worked for AVB, building up their training facility. And... Yeah, there was a lot of robotics happening in Australia at the time. Ford was investing heavily, and that was one of the reasons I managed to get to a warmer country. And yeah, trained a lot of people and was involved in a lot of projects. And it was a great time. I think in 2011, I had some yeah, family the people with diseases my mum got cancer and I had worked with robots all my life so there must be something else to do so I left for a little bit of traveling and so on and yeah then I came back and started robot space so anyway during my time at ABB it was great I went back to Sweden many times for updates and training and I was involved in some projects as well but and it's that's where the interest is to see what people come up with and smart people are putting in very cluey solutions and so on. And when ABB stopped doing those systems, it became a little bit less interesting. So anyway, that's sort of my background. And then, yeah, robot space happened because I needed money. I had travel. I needed to do something. And ex-colleagues from ABB in Sweden found me on Facebook and asked me if I wanted to support them selling spare parts in Australia. And that's how it started. And I guess because I've had all the network with people I've trained over all these years, it was pretty easy to get into a lot of companies and they trusted me, I guess. And that's how it started. And 
So in essence, um, robot spares is literally what it says. You've got spare for robots, but you've also got another aspect to your business where you actually hire out robots for people to try. Tell us a little bit about that component of the business. Yes, I mean, we do pretty much anything that people ask us to do. We do programming, we do support, we do breakdown service. And a robot as a service is something that yeah, is starting to be a buzzword around the world as well. And we came across a lot of small companies who just can't afford the whole shebang, the robots, the safety, the tooling, jigs. So we said, hey, we can help you out. You can rent a used robot a lot cheaper. And then you can spend the money on the jigs and fixtures or tooling or whatever. And that's how it started. So we've now got a couple of robots. I mean, it's not exploding, but we have a couple of robots out amongst customers who think it's a great idea. They just pay a monthly fee and we look after the robot. There could also be that customers want to do a trial or a, just a proof of concept. Then they could use a robot. We have one guy who's actually been in our own factory and done some trials and tests and so on. So again, saving a lot of money, didn't have to buy a robot at all. We, we traded actually for a little bit of labor. So he helped us with a few things and then he could use the robot. So that was working fine. Listen, I think it's a fantastic business business model. Yeah. And had I stayed on an exact deck, um, I think that was that would have been the direction I would have gone to offer it as a as a service. Because you know, like once you've actually sold the robot to, you know, robots are actually quite quite efficient if they're well designed. It's a one-off transaction. But if you have it as a as a service, you've got a monthly income coming in. Um, and as you say, if people don't like the hardware because hardware does update, then you know what are you sitting with this robot that you can't do anything with so i think it's actually in our climate in australia i actually think that's the way to go for robotic businesses yeah yeah and i mean for a small company or even a bigger company i mean we had some bigger companies who just wanted a robot for proof proof of concept they just needed it for a couple of months to make sure that was what they needed and then they kept the robot. And I mean, some yeah. of them will return it probably, and some will buy another robot and install it properly and put it in their production. And I mean, we've, yeah, it, we see a few people asking about it. So yeah. because now, it's used robots, it doesn't cost an arm and a leg to, you don't a, have to do all financials exactly as you would do with a leasing a brand new car or something like that. Listen, this is a this is a trip wire that I tripped over because I would have imported quite a few robots from all over the world. And having landed here, once they're here, they're here. Um, that's your problem. And if they, you know, YouTube videos are great because, of course, there's a thing called editing. And this little robot looks fantastic until it lands on your door and can't even connect to your, your Wi-Fi. And then, you, <laughs> and then they start the problem. So, um yeah, look, I, I think I think that's the way to go. So where are you based, Per? Yeah, we're in Melbourne. We're actually in uh, Noble Park. But again, we have a network of people in every state pretty much. And we can draw on them if people need support or if they just want to. I mean, they could just ring us up on the phone. And again, we're selling parts and we're selling robots all over Australia. So, and yeah. I've been traveling a little bit, so I can do a lot of things online. You don't have to be in a specific place for a lot of what we do. But yeah, obviously. The warehouse with spare parts are in Noble Park. Yeah. And yeah. 
but that's having said that your your luxury if we could call it this at this stage of your life after working so hard is that you've got a fantastic backup staff so do you want to do a bit of an introduction who they are yeah well mick my son started with me about six years ago and again he got no background in engineering or anything like that but he's a very quick learner and he's spent a lot of time with me now so He's very good at what he does and support people. I've had a lot of good feedback from customers from him or about him. And Gail has worked with us as well. I don't know exactly, but probably four or five years, four years at least, and started off helping out with a website. And now she's working part-time helping out with admin. She was actually a robot engineer when I came to Australia in 1988. So she's got a lot of experience and she knows spare parts and robots and she knows a lot of the customers as well. So oh, that's it works fantastic. out really good. Yeah. So we take, yeah, we take turn. We don't have to be in the office every day and not all three of us at the same time, even if you sometimes enjoy that because it, <laughs> you need that social aspect as well and going. Definitely. Look, and I think, as you say, um, I think after COVID, People have realized like staffing issues um, and staffing capabilities, you know, how much one person can handle and when the whole team needs to be in there and, you know, when you need interns in, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I do think there are some positives of COVID that we've actually learned. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, all three of us are learning new things regularly as well, because I mean, robotics is moving pretty fast. And even if we deal with a lot of the older ones, we still get requests and we get work on the latest and greatest as well. So yeah, so it's a challenge. I was just going to touch on what, what's been your biggest challenge as a, I'd say a small to medium enterprise? It's just so you know as well. And every small business <laughs> owner knows it's like a myriad of things like money, cash flow, getting... Yeah, setting up just talking to the bigger customers is a nightmare. Now, everyone have their own systems. It takes a long time. So if you're a small company, you spend an awful lot of time just getting set up and being complying with certain systems. And yeah, it is just a nightmare. <laughs> so if they're one man band, it's extremely hard. With three of us, at least we can share and help each other. And so. I think, you know what, I think one of the biggest challenges I found and I, I immediately stopped is that um, big corporations have a 60-day turnover, um, you know, that they pay. And I go, are you completely and utterly ridiculous? I'm yeah, a small yeah. company. You know, how dare you treat me like this? And um, I quickly learned actually right in the beginning, this was just not, this is untenable. If you want my robot, you pay for it before it leaves my warehouse and that's that. But you know, I do think I do think bigger companies can make it a little bit easier for smaller companies to survive yeah, yeah. if they if they just actually realize we're not your bank. No, no, some companies have 60 days at end of month, and it turned out to be sometimes 90 days before yeah, you see the cheap. money. And that is insane. Like that's a very long time. And some of the bigger companies we dealt with, they have a special set up for small businesses because they realized that the small businesses were just charging more per hour if they got paid 60 90 days later so they said no we don't want that either we set you up as a separate entity 
and then you can get paid in 30 days which is reasonable even that one is long for small businesses yeah no that's just yeah that's you know where do you get a service today where people go if i have a plumber come and fix something in my house they they want same day payment in fact they may not even leave your property without you without you standing there and actually paying them on the spot mm, yeah no i mean i've been extremely lucky in the way that my supplier in sweden of parts they've been very generous when it comes to that 30 days and 60 days <laughs> okay so now we're not complaining otherwise, <laughs> otherwise i would probably not be here today i mean because even the first couple of years it was so hard I mean, yeah now I've, I've walked and that journey and it's also quite a lot of money involved big big money yeah so, so. quite yeah. a topical issue where do you find staff <laughs> i don't <laughs> <laughs> That's why my son is working with me and Gail is working with me. There's people you know and you trust and you have yeah. sort of known for a while. We have tried a couple of people, but it doesn't fit. So again, first of all, we are not the glamorous robot business that some people think. We're doing a lot of oil and grease. The robots are normally put in the worst environment that's sort of dark and cold and miserable. And they do really shitty jobs, a lot of robots. So the robots aren't very nice to work on. So the people we've had, I mean, they've been interested in robotics, but when they realize they're going to do oil and grease and they're going to crawl around a robot, extremely noisy, they haven't been overly excited. And that's very rare that you have a really cushy programming, nice job in a nice place. I mean, we can do offline programming, but you still have to be at the robot at some point yeah. mm -hmm. and do the testing and setting up and so on. And yeah, we haven't really looked seriously for stuff either because we can't get someone full time. It's up and down one month. You have yeah. a lot of work. The next month you have nothing. So then they go and just clean up in the back factory and so on. And it is hard. And I guess all small businesses have the same issue. Where do you find someone who just interested in doing? I mean, it's an interesting job, but we haven't found anyone yet. Because if you look at the university, they are very well-educated people when it comes to theory and academic things, but they can't sometimes use tools. And I don't think they want to really crawl around a dirty robot when they've done mechatronics at the university level they want to yeah. design things and be involved in that yeah so yeah i wonder whether there's an opportunity for a couple of small businesses such as yourself to come together and actually pool your staff so you have mm. a roving staff member that once they've done work for you and you go into a bit of a slump then they go to the next company and you can actually because you sort of know how things are going to work anyway in your business that you can see okay we're going into a bit of a quiet mm. period now and have yeah. it as a shared resource. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we do have a lot of people to pull in if we need to. The thing is that they are working on their own as well, and they're basically yeah. contractors, so they have their own agendas and things. It's not like you have someone all the time available. Yeah. Tell so, me, how yeah. did the industry's changed over the years that you've been in it? Oh, gosh, it's changed a lot. So when I started 81, there wasn't that many robot companies in the first place. There was maybe a handful of big companies. There was nothing else than industrial robots. 
So the car industry was the biggest user, of course, and sub-supplier to the car industry. And then, of course, now, if you look, there would be hundreds of robot manufacturers. There would be all these things, lawnmower robots and cobots and dish, well, I said dishwashing, vacuum cleaning robots, drones. You have everything. Everything's called a robot, by the way, I think, too. A lot of things that in the early days were not classified as robots. I mean, yes, yes. So. There's the automation robotic discussion, but yeah. anything automated you could possibly class as a robot. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's changed for the better. I mean, the robots are coming down in price. They're like the cobots are, they do have their niche in the beginning. A lot of people like me thought, nah, they are just too small and too slow. They won't be useful in the industry, but they are taking off and they have their areas where they are brilliant. And it's still going to be a lot of them going into Australia. So, and I, I, agree, I agree with you. Like, it's not the be all on the end all, but they do contribute to like a slice of the the um, industry where you need that specific preciseness. And I think with COVID, they really came into their own because I mean the amount of testing that's been through with cobots, human beings sort of simply couldn't have done it. No, no. So we're going to see a lot more cobots in a lot of industry that have not previously even thought about robots, I think. Yeah. And that's the hard one for some of the robot integrators in Australia in the beginning. They didn't know, they didn't have a network of clients, customers where they could even go to, I thought. But it's starting. And I mean, the people who seen them on YouTube or see them on exhibitions, they'll come and ask and then, yeah it might be a perfect fit for them. Yeah, I went to the Australian Manufacturing Week and um, I spent a day there and there were, sort of, there were a lot of cobots there. Yeah, yeah. I, one thing for me anyway, some of them, it looks too easy sometimes because it's not ever that easy to put a robot in. You still have to design things. You still have to have uh, fixtures or jigs or grippers, toolings that work reliably. And that still takes engineering to do. So not and, anyone and, can just buy a robot and stick it on the floor and get it to work. And definitely the safety is aspect as well, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the robots on the exhibition, I didn't go, but they're doing MIG welding. And, of course, you need to guard them so people don't go and stare at the welding sparks all day and so on. So they still need to have safety around them. Yeah. I saw, um, for those of you who haven't linked up with Per on LinkedIn, do so now. And RoboSpecs has got its own page as well. So do um, follow them. I saw your post about part numbers and why serial numbers and Robotype aren't enough. Tell us more. Oh, God, it's starting to be very complicated. I mean, <laughs> the robots have been around since 81, as I said. I mean, yeah. there's still robots. And I'm talking general ABB robots now that are from 1994 still in operation. And I mean, that's over 20 years. And the spare parts have changed a lot. Robots have changed. The design have changed. So there's a myriad of spare parts on the latest robots now, the different colors even. So you... You have white robots in food industry very often, and you have orange or used to have orange robots in the general industry. And then ABB came out with this graphite 
colored robots recently. So you basically could have three different part numbers because of the color. And it's starting to be very hard to keep track of. So I know ABB have a very good system, but if you're not working for ABB, it's very hard to locate the exact right part number unless the customer can give it to us from the part or even the manuals are not really up to date with everything. So yeah, so it's sometimes takes an hour or so to find the right part number customers very often say oh we have a robot oh yeah and we need a motor what what <laughs> robot oh, it's orange you know <laughs> can it's you, not the easiest to... yes i know there used to be orange and but... <laughs> can you please flip it on its head and look at the bottom you should see a little yeah. tag there <laughs> yeah. um, uh, can you take a photo of the part or on the sticker and then you get all over the place so yeah but it isn't that easy. So it's a full-time thing to just locate and make sure we don't send the wrong parts to customer because that it costs a lot for the industry to be down when they're not running production. Yeah. So it's sort of pretty important that we ship the right part and they don't get the wrong part and have to wait another 24 hours or whatever for a part. So yeah, it does take an effort. And, I think you should write to ABB and actually suggest it seriously and to anyone that you're working with and go, you need to get a unified way of identifying all these parts because I agree with you. It is very costly sending something to someone. It's yeah. the wrong thing. Then it has to be returned to you. Like we all know what courier costs are about today. Um, mm. There's there's nothing cheap in this production line. No, nah, no. Nah. I mean, we'll see that sometimes it uh, doesn't really matter whoever have the part in Australia will sell it sort of thing. The price is not the important thing. It's the downtime, downtime for the customer that's important. Yeah. And I mean, the car industry used to be extreme. They couldn't be down for more than a few minutes before it cost astronomical amounts of money. But some of the other smaller guys, they're struggling as well. They might have to put in two or three people for palletizing by hand all night long if a robot goes down so yeah no, that's that's a serious yeah. implication yeah yeah so yeah so now that is a little bit of a nightmare and hopefully we've done very good so far yeah tell me what excites you about the industry oh a lot of things i mean i've been in it so long at one point and i've had enough of robots but then most people you come across who've ever been in robotics they they never leave they go back or they come back and whatever and the, once you've been involved in robotics it's a very challenging area i mean i love it because it's mechanical it's electrical it's electronics it's programming and then you have all these applications. I mean, robots are used in every kind of application from filleting fish to welding cars. And they, yeah, so it's always something new. You always learn something new. I just find a lot of interesting people in robotics as well. They're very, very clever people. And I like to work with people as well. So that's why I love to do training still after all these years, because you get to know people and you hear a little bit more about that company or the yeah the way they operate and things like that which i found very interesting 
So it's not just the robot, it's everything else around it as well. I agree with you. Ty, tell us a little bit about the training that you do. There's a service that you offer. Oh, uh, yes. Again, I was doing training on at ABB for whatever, 20, 25 years. And that could be a little bit too much sometimes. But then now with my own business, we do a couple of training courses per year. And it's just exciting and it's great. And keep me up to date as well, because I have to keep my skills up to date. Company, we do training on site. We do training at our place, even if we don't have a super training facility. It's a little bit of a warehouse, but that's how ABB started when I was working there as well. And again, we have a lot of robots to do training on, which is good. So, yeah. So um, I mentioned earlier that you become a member of the Robotics Australia Group Network. Thank you very much for supporting us. You know that we um, have been tirelessly advocating, and I say we, Dr. C.U.K., uh, Dr. Nathan Kirchner, the board, a lot of people have been involved in the 2018 roadmap, the 2022 roadmap, and um, this has actually come to... Um, like a real point this year with Minister Husek now doing the robotics roadmap strategy. So all this work that people have been doing all these years and they go, why are you doing all that? So that he had a community that he could actually hit up and ask, like, what should we be doing in this space? Any advice to companies out there thinking they should be supporting us? You tell them, Per. <laughs> of course, because that's the thing. You, I mean, the more people you talk to, and I mean, that's why I joined up. I'm just curious. I want to know who's involved, where, what are they doing, where are they, and what's happening in general. And it's just that much you can see on YouTube and read on newspapers and things. So if you talk to people, you normally find out they do very interesting things. And again, I'm a little bit selfish in the way that I'm hoping it's going to fit in with robot spare something. I mean, something we can help with or be involved in or something like that. And yeah, so I'm just curious. I just want to see and know what's going on around the world in robotics. So I mean, I still look at Swedish newspapers and Swedish engineering magazines and Australian ones and just try to see what's happening around the world. And yeah, I think people should join because I mean, that meetup you're talking about, they're a great place to meet people with different skills and different projects. And you never know, someday it will match up and you just get along with some people and it, something positive comes out of it. That's it. I agree with you. I, you yeah. and I are huge collaborators and um, the meetup that Per is referring to will be a meetup at the end of July in Melbourne. I um, watch on net our um, website, which is in the process of being rebuilt. Maybe by the time this goes to it, it could be up already, but we will have an events page there and um, anyone most welcome to come to the meetup. We're going to do a little bit of a five minute pitch session on what uh, companies are doing in the space. And then it's going to just be a meet and greet and networking. So Per, I'm mindful of your time. You're a busy man. Have you got any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with? I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm or, every, or everything. I mean, it's just, an, it's just an absolutely fascinating area to be in. And I think Australia and the world, it's just taken off. There's so many things. I mean, whatever you're interested in, it will have automation, some kind of robotic stuff and as I said, it's mechanical, electrical, electronics. It's just a lot of interesting things. So, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint some 
specific and it's a lot of very clever people I, I think it's just fascinating to see what people can come up with and what they do so, and i think i think particularly australians that um you know i was i was chatting to way the cooker and he's saying you know the cooker robots are designed to do one thing but because we're in australia and he walks in and he sees his clients going oh no they, they've applied it that way because well it's for cooker it wasn't really designed to do that but you know australians are extremely innovative people and oh yeah the next thing you know it's being used in a different way uh, when i came to australia i mean i was flabbergasted about some of the guys i worked with they just there was no hesitation. They said, no, we'll just do this. And they just did it without thinking yeah. about anything, really. And it worked. Very often it just worked. And <laughs> I think that's how Australia came up with a lot of inventions. They just don't listen. They didn't even read or look around. They basically just did something. And very often it works. So it's great. So, yeah. Anyway, that's what I found interesting. People make things and very often it works fantastic. In hindsight, if you start looking around the world, people, no, no, that can't be done. That's too complicated, too expensive, but it actually works. <laughs> per, thank you so much for your time. To my audience, if you need to reach out to Per, he's on LinkedIn. Um, he'll answer any questions. Um, what's your email address, Per? Yeah, the best one would be sales at robotspace.com.au. You can find that on the website, which is normally pretty easy. Robotspace. And if you Google Robospace, you normally come straight on our website. Excellent. You yeah. have an invitation, reach out to him, connect with him, um, yeah. have discussions and see where it lands. Fantastic. So thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. As I said, this is long overdue. I've been hassling you a few years to get on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. so it's taken you to become a member of the network to force you to do it. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. yeah. If anyone needs any robot support help, let me know. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Nikki. Oh, it's a great pleasure. And to our audience, thank you for joining us again today. I look forward to your company again next time. And wherever you're on the world, I hope you're well and look after yourself. Mm -hmm.